2: Hey everyone welcome to going off track it is steven with jonah brad i cued them by pointing you can't see it uh <laughs> thank you all very much for listening wow i feel like so much is going on see you guys hear the podcast as we release them but um, sometimes we record the intros ahead of time, so they kind of sit there. So we've been actually out of the studio for a bit. So it's a nice welcome back for everyone. So how was the unnamed holiday we all celebrated to keep these evergreen?
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It was, well, you went on a yoga, sh- a I yoga retreat. I did. I went on a yoga retreat. And I you just got, got back yesterday. I camped out, and there was a, <laughs> my phone at one point was like, I kept in airplane mode. I tried to all weekend, but I turned it on at one point, and it was like, monsoon warning and like the scariest sound ever came out of oh, it. Oh
0: yeah, the iPhone sound. Yeah,
3: it was like the emergency <laughs> sound so I slept in a tent on a yoga mat in a tent in a monsoon so a lot of water pooled up. All Everything I brought was wet. So this was a really but authentic Indian trip. It was at a Sufi a Sufi uh, <laughs> center called the Abode. It was this really beautiful place um, like three hours upstate in the woods and it was just like a lot of meditation, and yoga, and they grow their own food there pretty much it was cool it was really fun there was um more handholding and singing than what i'm normally used to <laughs> in my day to day life and that that is a challenge for me but i learned that sort of once you commit to this thing you just get into it you do it and like it's fine it's fine sure, and
0: don't. then there's like the the closing party orgy right there
3: was a dance party or orgy i didn't stick around so i don't <laughs> i can't comment on that but i know there was the dance party I became friends with the DJ, and she was like, "I was like, what was it like DJing like a sober party?" And she was like, "These people, I wish I could bring them with me everywhere." She's like, "They were so into dancing, and like people were like on the ground, like doing synchronized moves." Some guy wrote a yoga rap. The yoga rap? Did he just say that? <laughs> yeah, he wrote. Wow. He wrote a yoga rap. So <clears throat> that was my weekend. I'm I'm glad it was really fun, but I'm glad to be sleeping in a bed where it's dry as well.
2: I can't even imagine like the fear of the phone since my my iPhone four. Died recently, uh, due in no part to a small child thinking she was a big, bigger child trying to drink bottled water, and it going down the wrong, wrong pipe. And with the expertise of Michael Jordan slam dunking through this bottle of water, and I watched it bounce off the dashboard of the card, flip <laughs> over, and land in the cup holder that my phone was in, yeah. and, and it just filled up immediately. <laughs> Gah! It was a. Am- I mean, I was more impressed than horrified the phone kept working but then two days later the battery just wouldn't charge right so i had to take that Put phone it to sleep yeah i had to let it go i had to watch it go as the iphone techs at the iphone geniuses who are actually beyond helpful and beyond cool were trying to help me save all the photos that i hadn't backed up because i'm not tech savvy and stupid and it was literally white, like watching a countdown of a James Bond movie. I'm like 2%, 1%, I'm like do you have Dropbox? Can you put that on? No.
3: And then do you really have a wrong pipe? Like is that a real <laughs> yeah. thing or is that just an expression? Why yeah, your would your lungs, you have-
0: man? Yeah. Your lungs are the wrong or no you yeah, like your lungs, you don't want water to go down your you got lungs. Understood. But
3: how does it get there? Like how does stuff normally?
0: There's a flap. There's a little. There's a little window in the side of your throat, and there's a guy sitting behind there with <laughs> an a lever, and he's looking up. His chair leans kind of back like this, and he's looking up at whatever comes. And I like, don't think this is true. Really?
2: No, I don't think there's a little guy. I don't know. Then what, I don't know, what I don't know. I don't know what you're talking
0: It's the epiglottis, isn't it? Yeah, it's that's it his is? name. <laughs> I thought it was Esafo Gus. Hey, we're giving you all something to do now. Go Wikipedia it. Go Wikipedia it. I know this
2: for sure because as I watch a lot of children's programming, uh, there was an episode where Curious George was Curious? sick. Oddly enough, yes. Curious and, oddly, and facetious. Very weird. Weird hmm. little monkey. But he imagines that he's he's on a machine flying at his throat and the, the germs fly past the little flappy thing. Okay. Because when you drink water, the flappy thing goes up so you don't drown yourself
0: got it you
2: okay you know when you go into a hospital and they have to intubate they have to they take the little shoehorn and they slide the breathy thing down your throat if it goes the wrong way all they're doing is inflating your stomach and you die i watched every oh. season of Drug. Mm. what else do you want to know <laughs> <laughs> welcome to how stuff works <laughs> <laughs> stuff you should know also an amazing podcast and amazing dudes i talked to them once very cool yeah, I got a new iPhone. Now, before we start recording, we were trying to discuss how all of us cannot remember anyone's names ever. So if we ever meet you, say, at an event or when we do one of our rare live recordings, and you come to that event again and go, hey, and you expect us to remember it, please don't be offended that none of us do. Sorry, but here's, Mom. Here's my problem. <laughs> my wife remembers everybody, Period does Catherine remember a lot of people is she good at
0: that uh she's better than me but she's not she's not like a she's not a sarah newkirk who i hold as the oh she's epitome of whatever it is photographic uh, memory
2: oh sarah can remember she one of the most amazing people remembers people like remember at her wedding i was sitting at a table with the guy who gave her her first job in new york yeah you know years ago great person now my wife can remember every single person and
0: this is why these women are very successful. I don't think i'm although they're both immensely talented and good at their job. I'm convinced that no matter what field you go into, if you can remember everybody's name and be nice to them, that you'll be successful.
3: yeah, and that's why I slept in a wet tent by myself <laughs> <laughs> which brings of course to.
2: Michael O'Brien.
3: Michael O'Brien. Uh, you may know him from an amazing web series, Seven Minutes in Heaven.
2: If you haven't seen it, it's ridiculously it's funny. It's so good, and it takes awkward to a new and
3: fun level. You can check it out on Hulu. Above average. He also he also uh, wrote for a television series called Saturday Night Live. That oh wait, <laughs> <laughs> my sister is on. So I met I met Mike. He also goes by the name Pat mm-hmm. um, through Vanessa, when who's a writer on SNL and. Uh, Recently, it was announced that he will be on screen as a performer this year. He's going to be a performer
2: on SNL. So you now all see him so, do his thing and write his sketches. And it,
3: we, him, we should add that that was not, we didn't know that that had not yet been announced yet when we recorded this podcast. So we talk a lot about the writing aspect and seven minutes in heaven. And we talk a lot about SNL, but we didn't mention that because it wasn't confirmed yet. You
2: can trepidation that he doesn't know. Or maybe he did, he just didn't want to
3: say anything. If he, honestly, if he didn't know, he did an amazing job. <laughs> because I never would have guessed. And I listened back to this episode already. Yeah, because we, you can't fool the three of us at all. Ever. No, we are. <laughs> nothing gets by us. <laughs> uh, Michael Patrick O'Brien. Michael Patrick O'Brien uh, tells some amazing stories about his life, his career, and his tattoos. Yeah. So, <laughs> check it out. It's going on! welcome to going off track today our guest is mike o'brien uh writer for saturday night live and the star of seven minutes in heaven which is so damn funny and i know that sounds like
2: it's like that's the intent but it's hilarious and it's just like (laughs) i always feel weird with that adjective like you do a very funny show its intent is to make me laugh and you succeed
4: (laughs) thank you very much (laughs) especially if you put spaces between it i believe you more so damn (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's got to be a period of. You, can always, you
2: can always tell the insincerity when it just bleeds. That mm-hmm. I means it's, re- it's really great.
4: It's really, really fun. Really,
3: really, and really if you're on. I feel like you're on SNL a lot too. Is like the guy standing in the background.
4: I yeah, I do. I feel like less so. It, they definitely do it more with first and second year writers because it's a little thankless, and it's sometimes best if you don't have a sketch you wrote on the show, so you have lots of free time to get in and out of <laughs> elaborate like. Vulcan costumes or whatever. But um so I used to do a whole bunch, but they'll still stick me in the background once in a while. Any of the writers will end up doing that. I have one like Planet of the Apes one that had prosthetics and everything. And I did have a sketch in that week, and so there's a lot of like going up and getting notes from Lauren in between dress and air with you know uh Dr. Zayas I think. <laughs> yes. Full prosthetics on. It was it was there's some good photos from that.
2: <laughs> That's hilarious. How long have you been writing for SNL?
4: Uh four years. Wow. Yeah.
2: And you did the uh wasn't it the the five timer you were in the this the five timer sketch with Justin Timberlake?
4: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um last time it happened, uh Conan O'Brien opened the door, so it was a very, very subtle, deep cut joke that Seth had Mike O'Brien open the door this time. That there's always an O'Brien opening the door. I like it. You got to really know your stuff, and people on the internet, of course, did. Really, <laughs> that's what the internet is for. Up on that? For people who have so much time, yeah.
3: <laughs> so I'm confused. I know some people call you Pat. Some people call you Mike. Yeah. What? What's your your name is Mike? Or... Yeah.
4: Um, Pat is kind of like a character I have to escape into when things get scary. And no, uh, Pat's <laughs> my middle name, and I went by that for. Uh, the whole time i was doing improv in chicago which was nine years so my anyone who knows me from that world including yourself so usually calls me Pat or pob it's a male name it's more like a nickname now but i was mike for the first 23 years and mike in my 30s got it so
2: 20s have to be somebody else
4: yeah you have to i i switched over to it and i regretted it within like two weeks but I met everyone I know in the world in those two weeks. It was like, and <laughs> I signed up for all level one training center at three different comedy theaters in Chicago. And I was like, "Hi, I'm Pat, everybody." And then immediately was like, yeah, "I'm really not. I don't <laughs> like this." But it was too late. Where are you, Where are you from? I grew up in Michigan, uh, Southeast Michigan, near. It's called Blissfield. It's, mm-hmm. Near nothing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Hence the bliss. <laughs> just a uh, stone's th- throw away from nothing.
0: I grew up right near there too, but it was in Massachusetts. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. About that. All connected by a graph.
4: Now, I saw
2: you perform with um, my first introduction to your work was with uh, the group Comiskey, uh-huh. I think. And you did some stand up before that I was floored by. It just killed me. Wasn't really stand up. It was more like sketches you've put together. But you were by yourself standing, so that's why. And that
3: was you did a one man show in Chicago. Was that similar to what you did
4: here? Yeah, I've kind of always had some uh, version of the same one man show going. I mean, I'll take something out and put something back, or put something new in, and then every couple years I'll end up going back to an old one. And so I don't know what it is. Maybe fifteen. Uh, five-minute pieces or something that I'm kind of um, rotating through. And I think I did three or four of them that day. And then, um, like, Vanessa, your sister, and uh, maybe Shelly Gossman and some other people came out and improvised. It was re- really fun. That was just after I moved to New York. So it was cool to have some early-on Chicago-style improv shows booked.
2: It was with the bit with the box of cookies or bag of cookies. Yeah, that oh, really? was, that
4: yeah. was incredible, man. God, that killed me.
3: I was... Everyone listening, you blew it by not being there. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, you totally I blew it. it. I was, but... was
4: going to say, I've never described that bit out loud, and I wonder if it does any justice because it's just, it's silent, and that uh, guy tries to uh, turn around the Chips Ahoy tray and put it back in the bag while someone else is knocking, and uh, <laughs> you realize you can't do that. And the, with the thought, I guess being that if someone peeked in, you want them to see a full... <laughs>
0: Like, I didn't see this sleeve. and I'm already laughing.
4: At it was, it was
2: incredible. <laughs> it's amazing. I it, tried to do that too. It's so much, <laughs> and it's so committed the way you do it. It's awesome.
4: And then I think it was, I it was from a show I did with Pete Gross called Misled. He's a he's a former Colbert writer and a really funny guy. He's got a, a a Fringe show that's popular right now where he, he's a chef. He's um, New York Fringe Festival, but uh, and he would burst through the door and say something and i forget what it was even but um our director t.j jagdowski was like let's, what, let's just have the lights go down when we never know who was knocking or what trouble you're in if you've messed up those cookies <laughs> and i did like it better that way because I, can, I can't even remember what he said when he came in it just it was way better when we just decided we're like, we'll like, we never know who was knocking everyone people all fill in their own thing usually about eating disorders or something <laughs> Um, everyone wants to know the story of your NSYNC tattoo. Everyone?
3: <laughs> I, 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 I really, I'm so I
2: glad you did that, because when you told me about it, I was like, how long are we going to wait? This is such an it incredible now?
3: story, and I just feel like it has
4: to be shared. Well, uh, the, I mean, the story, it's more of a, just a life decision, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that started from just wanting a tattoo. I just, in my early 20s, I really... I like the look and idea of them and so i wanted one and i almost got i can't remember what they were but i almost got like you know the out outline of ireland and because i was reading all this stuff and really like into like irish history and stuff and um the uh then i almost got an oar because i was on the rowing team in college and always a year later i'd be like oh thank god i don't have ireland on my <laughs> arm <laughs> or thank god i don't have an oar i haven't been back in a boat since i was 22 so uh that is not a thing that day to day i would want on my body and so i was like well i just need to get something that i'll regret right away like it will not i'll be leaving and be like that means nothing to me that's already so dumb so i got nsync on my shoulder and then i've followed it up with others that mean nothing
3: like what else do you have
4: uh, I've got a tramp stamp of a bucket of chicken that is uh, the Kurt Vonnegut like line drawing from Breakfast of Champions, how that books got those, because uh, yeah. um, a team I was coaching called uh, Rattlesnake High School all got rattlesnakes on them, like Paul Britton and those guys all have a, a really cool-looking Kurt Vonnegut-drawn rattlesnake on them, and um, they were like, you should get one too, and I was like, well, I already have NSYNC, so <laughs> I feel like uh, I don't want to... S- have some that mean something and some that don't. And um, so I was like, whatever's on the next page, I'll get on the next page at the Bucket of Chicken. So, You're lucky
0: it didn't have the asshole.
4: Yeah, that's right. Is that <laughs> that book? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell tell people it's a star or something. They're like, we know what that is.
2: <laughs> Please tell me there's a photo of you with Justin Timberlake looking at the tattoo.
4: No. He's been around the show many times since I've been there and it, we've never brought it up i don't i don't know i mean we'll find out because uh i know he he gets first listened to all these is that right (laughs) yeah yeah yeah
3: justin gets approval on everything he's executive producer
4: (laughs) right yeah so we'll find out but i don't know what he would think of it because it is like it's laughing at i think he probably laughs at that i haven't quite heard him fully come out laughing at (laughs) his nsync days he probably would but uh so I've never, I don't think I've had like a a sketch in the show with him where he and I end up spending a lot of time one-on-one or something. Because then I think it would be, yeah, shirtless. (laughs) You know how that happens a lot of weeks. Um,
2: It would be a great seven minutes in heaven, though. Yeah.
4: Yes, it would. At some point, I'd like to tell him. I feel like someone else has to come up and just say, hey, look, this guy has an NSYNC tattoo. Mm -hmm. For me to go up and say it to him is is weird.
2: Or awesome.
4: Or awesome. (laughs) Right. You know, the? Um, have you guys seen I Think We're Alone Now? Yes. The Tiffany Enthusiast. I've seen it a couple times. It feels like one of their moves to go and be like, I've got a tattoo of you. Those guys, they're really awesome. That I was, recommend it if you guys haven't seen.
3: That, would, that movie kind of made me depressed. Like, But then I was like, these people, this is just what they're into. Yeah. But it's...
4: It's tough. It's tough. It's something just seems... Something's missing. Well, and... Tiffany's a real random one.
3: Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
2: that's
4: real funny to me too. Yeah. Is like, yeah, it's like, I like, I think we're alone now. But that's a
2: Telly well, James has, tune.
3: That's not even a Tiffany song. Right? Yeah, yeah.
4: yeah her two biggest hits were both. Co- is, yeah. Isn't the other a uh, Beatles cover or something yeah. she did?
3: Mm-hmm. used to have. Do you remember those things? A pocket rocket. It was like those miniature cassettes. It was like a little cartridge cassette and it had like a picture of her on it. And you could only play like, it just had like, I think we're alone now on it. You know, a pocket rocket
2: is also a small vibrator that women carry around with. Yeah, them, that's right? not what
3: I'm talking about. Okay.
2: <laughs> I don't like what is happening. He railed. Uh, so uh, when did you start with the con? Did you go straight to Chicago from Blissfield?
4: Yes. Okay. Yeah, well, uh, I went to college at uh, University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. And uh, a week after graduating, went to Chicago and went by the mill name signed up for classes
2: <laughs> did you do a all because i know a lot of people in chicago would take like from you can go to io and then um second city you can do a whole bunch at once
4: yes i did io and second city kind of together and then a, a couple of years later did the annoyance and um uh 500 clown not an improv class but that, that was the other group i did some classes with they were uh a, three people who were Uh, like did clown clowning shows they they do like a clown version of like frankenstein macbeth and all these classics that it's again i love that all we're talking about are bits that can only be understood through watching they're like very visual this group so i was going to start to describe things and i'm like you just have to see them uh but that was the other other one i trained with they were really great
2: and then when did did you get the Were you working in Chicago, writing and doing Second City? Is that when SNL came a calling?
4: Yes, yeah, I was in two thousand like four, I think. I got flown out and um, did the in studio like five minute audition for Lauren and the you know Tina and people at the time, and then um, they went with uh, Sandberg and you know, not upset about it, but it was a choice, I think. It was a, no, they went, <laughs> <laughs> they went real quiet. Uh, I I think that's. In fact, I know that's the year they picked up like the Lonely Island guys and everything. And then um, uh, four years later, they did the same thing again, flew me out again. They came to Chicago again, saw me among many people that they check out in that weekend, as I think they're doing as we speak, and then fly you out. Do you do five minutes again? And they hired me out of that as a writer in 2008.
2: What your stomach bread? Oh my god. That's amazing. It's,
0: that's why that's why you shouldn't get a pre-made sandwich at snack. You always <laughs> have to make it fresh. <laughs> <laughs> About to shit my pants. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> My stomach's gonna be just as loud, as especially after I drink a full tea. And that's just I've like, had seven cups of coffee. It's just, just gonna be a me. bad scene. Yeah, Should we
0: get a bucket in here, maybe, so we don't have to maybe. take a break.
3: <laughs> so how did seven minutes in heaven sort of come about? Oh,
4: man, I was just gonna say. Speaking of mine and the guests' stomachs are always so loud in it, and there's certain guests where you have fun <laughs> with that, and other ones that you don't have that rapport, and you just have to both act like your stomachs not going. <laughs> and like this loud noise that you both like just hold eye contact and say through your eyes like neither of us is going to say anything about that. But uh, uh, it got started um, just a couple of summers ago for something, you know, we're very lucky to have this break in the summers when SNL is um, not uh, making new episodes. And uh, so we. uh <laughs> <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> It's you get kicked out of class if your stomach's too loud. Yeah, um,
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, so beautiful. Keep going.
4: Um, we, another writer and I, Rob Klein, uh, decided to uh, try to figure out some some kind of shorts to shoot, and we threw around like ten different ideas. I can't remember all of them. I I think one of them that came in, I'd like to think second place, but it might have been lower, was <laughs> backstage at Smash Mouth. And we would go around the country and do, like, interviews and sketches or something, always backstage at Smash Mouth, never acknowledging why we're there, never talking to Smash Mouth or about Smash Mouth. But it'd just be just a place to always be doing something. And uh, that, uh, a bunch of weird ideas like that. And then another one on the list was I uh, interviewed people in a closet, like the kissing game, Seven Mints in Heaven, I try to kiss them. And um, everyone was like, that one's going to be so cheap and easy. Let's go with that one first. We'll think about these other ones later. And um, my thought was, we're never going to get anyone to do this. I thought maybe Friends from SNL. And that was like, Kristen was one of the first ones. But right away, there was other people that were just like, yeah, I'll do that. Which are just like, it's insane that people who are like working professional actors, some of them I would call straight up famous people would be like, what is it? get in a closet with a guy I've never heard of for a web series, not on a TV or anything, and they—they uh, they a lot of them did it. A real lot say no too, but really, I'm not surprised by that. Yeah, I would probably say no.
2: I think a lot of people, after working with you there and just seeing how like it's just fun and you're cool to hang with, and I'm basing that on just this experience right now. But it just from the ones I've seen, it just seems like a fun thing to do.
4: Yeah, I'd like to think like now people can watch it and decide. But the the first eight not only didn't know what it would look or feel like, they also didn't know about the kiss at the end. So those are all genuine reactions. Um, and then we re- started releasing them, and so then everyone we asked after that got to do, you know, surveillance on what it was going to be. But the first eight are, um, the real the real thing people do with their face and body when someone's face starts leaning right in. <laughs>
3: What was, who who
4: was, like, the most weirded out? Were any of the, does anyone, what was your favorite kind of true reaction? Well, and then after the first eight, another one that came in not knowing about the kiss was Insane Clown Posse, because (laughs) they just hadn't, they were, like, on tour and hadn't watched. They were like, what is this? And they were were my favorite reactions across the board, because, um... Shaggy too dope, never got on board. (laughs) He was never never loving this. He was like, I do not know what this is and I don't really like it. And uh Violent J got so into it. He just was like, everything he was like, let's do another one of those. Can we do one more? you know, whatever dumb game. I was like, uh one of them I was like, let's play a game called Mikey Likey. I just wanted to make him have to kind of talk baby talk. And I was like I'll say something I like and then you guys do yours. I'll be so I'm like Mikey likey cold ice cream. And uh they'd be like okay uh Joey likey <laughs> um you know big tits. <laughs> and they both kind of chuckle and we did like two rounds of it and it, nothing amazing happened so I could already tell we were going to probably cut it. But Violent J was like, "Oh, can we do a couple more uh Mikey likey Joey likey's?" <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, all right." <laughs> he didn't it wasn't like he had one planned either. He was just like enjoying. He's like they they normally are getting, like, interrogated, you know? All their interviews are, like, uh, you're loosely connected to a guy who shot up his school answer to that. And so <laughs> right. to have Mikey Likey, Joey Likey was suddenly, like, a relief to them. But then the, the kiss came, and I knew it was just going to be trouble. <laughs> I think they both served time at different times. They're just not going to be guys who want it. And sure enough, they didn't. <laughs> Shaggy 2 Dope made it clear I wasn't even... Gonna really do the lean in with him, Violent J. I kind of got him on the neck. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, were you I, ever, were you afraid of? I'm gonna get punched here. I I feel like Shaggy would have punched me if I really like tried to force like.
3: No means no, Mike. Yeah, even to Shaggy yeah. too
4: dope. <laughs> That's true. Shaggy too dope would have been in, in in the right there.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Has that experience made you more confident
4: in in kissing in real life situations? Kind of making the move. No, I don't think so i If anything, like I did twenty eight seven minutes in heaven, and like twenty six of them I get rejected hard <laughs> <laughs> like, like if anything, it would probably shake my confidence and it's such a like move that i I just don't think you actually do in real life, which is to s- slow down your talking and get bedroomized well, I've had a really good uh, you know you knowing it's only in like movies and in seven Minutes in heaven that you you have i like i'm trying to draw out the awkwardness right before it whereas i feel like in real life you just you like i don't want to draw this out and have like five whisper talk moments before a first kiss do you worry about having to
2: evolve it as people now know what to expect
4: definitely yeah i kept trying to think of like different types of games and different types of questions uh having a surprise guest come out of the clothes in the background or, you know, trying to think a new, new twist. Most of the time when we did that, it was like, um, didn't feel right. Like in the end, like it, it probably should be pretty simple. And like you guys probably experienced, like each one just is going to feel different enough because of the different guests and the different things you end up getting into with them. So, um, Anytime I was really trying to overthink the form of it, it, it usually, Rob Klein was a good one to kind of scale it back and be like, I don't think we need a whole. I thought it'd be funny for one to have like a band, you know, like it's like Johnny Carson or something where I have my guest and I've got a band and just like three guys crammed in the corner that play instruments. Um, but that seemed to kind of take away from the guest. I know it's just more fun just to chat with somebody in that setting.
2: How much of the the interview do you script beforehand?
4: I usually write like 10 questions and I feel like off of each one, I try to go beyond that. So only a few of the questions might even end up in it because a lot of times what you're seeing is where we start talking after I was done with it somewhat, you know, I would say in, never intentionally bland, but just a straightforward question that, that then got us into a dumb thing where we were arguing about something or something. then you just see that usually. So, um,
2: Seth Meyers is jamming out and going to do a late night talk show, I hear, and I think uh, I think he's going to like maybe do one more, maybe the fall. And there've been you know rumors abound of who would take over Weekend Update, mm-hmm. and your name has popped up. And all the ones I have searched at, and actually, I heard someone mention it to me a couple of years ago how they thought you would be really great at it. Is that something you would enjoy doing?
4: Um. I think so. And I'll say a, a political answer as well and say like, I'm excited to see whoever it is. And I think I they genuinely don't loop us in day to day on what's going on. So I really don't know. but um, But pretty much all all the uh, aspects of that job are pretty exciting and fun so if they they tell you all right now you're going to be doing this thing it's almost always like oh cool yeah that's awesome
2: update is a whole separate team of writers is that right
4: it is okay. um the there's i think four dedicated full-time joke writers for update and um they uh then if we don't have a sketch in the uh <laughs> um other writers will submit jokes sometimes it's kind of a fun thing to do if you just end up with a light day and the um what we call the update features where like a character comes on are written by that actor with um any version of writers could be update writers could be regular but
2: which ones have you worked on those features
4: um gosh (laughs) none no <laughs> <laughs> no uh which ones would you have wanted <laughs> i'd like to say i wrote Stefan. i don't know <laughs> um i uh i'm really trying to think that's funny Stefan I, didn't start out on weekend update though he was a sketch that's true oh really I didn't and with know ben that. affleck
2: yeah he played like ben affleck's brother and they were pitching a pitching a movie yeah i think i want to say sandberg i think i'm not sure but yeah and then he was just like they're filmmakers and he was just his weird brother and i don't think that i guess didn't it didn't really work that well but then i think they brought him back on update and it's brilliant
4: yeah um that's uh john mulaney with along with bill yeah it's really really funny um i don't think i've had a feature in a little while i had a long time ago jason and i wrote one that was like um he was the guy who invented four logo because that was oh, yeah. <laughs> so that place is hit in the one month where we all talked about four loco steadily, yeah. and I um, can't remember if it was related to that. But there was a period where Jason always had four loco in his fridge at home. I could never quite, none of us could quite tell if we were having one as a joke or serious. Like we'd kind of laugh, be like, "All right," but then the next day you might also have another four loco, and you're <laughs> like, "Well, this is now. Now we're just four loco drinkers." <laughs>
2: Uh, it has to be a moment when you realize, oh no, we, we use this brand. The
4: sad realization: you're a for Loco <laughs> drinker. <laughs> yeah, you're like I'm not. A, I'm no longer outside of this. <laughs> I'm in. I'm this person. <laughs> um, so you've done a lot
3: of stuff on camera and and writing. I mean, do you do you have a preference? Do you like both for different reasons?
4: Yeah, I would say both for different reasons. I mean, what I, I think I like the most is getting to do. Um, exactly what my idea is, have it fully realized and uh, SNL is a very lucky place for that where um, pretty close to your idea on Tuesday night actually gets shown in uh, on air on Saturday night um, without a ton of like, you know, there, there aren't a lot of like uh, TV execs that come in and say you can't say that or something like that and Lauren gives us a lot of freedom with that so that that actually feels very satisfying even though i'm not performing it um when i'm just writing for snl it's being you're handing over your thing to someone but you're able to really kind of be like um fine tooth you know directing each little part of it um but that's that is the fun thing about the summer projects and the side stuff is you get to fully control all of it i get i can write perform and direct and have my friends do this, this, and this, and little side videos and segments and heaven type stuff. It's just seen by a billion less people, but that's all right.
2: (laughs) But isn't it seen by, we were just talking about this a while ago, like like demographically more because on the internet, things, you know, that's, someone watched that, you know, and you know how long they sat and you can check. And I mean, legitimately, but with the show, you can be like, oh, it rated great this week based on a myth you know based on like where it's a guesstimate
4: well and (laughs) exactly and that's one of the saddest things the numbers have shown me are our best ratings of the year are almost always in january a show where there will be like um a big there's there will be like a play like nfl playoffs um on nbc all day And then we'll have the best ratings of the year. And what I always imagine is it's people who are asleep (laughs) from a long day of like drinking beer and watching football and the TV has been left on to that channel. So maybe it's because the promos that they're running during that make them like, oh, I should try that show again. But it's really funny to me that I'm like, oh, this could just be that people are too lazy to go searching for something else it's easiest to not have to pick up the remote and that's why we did well this week it isn't like a credit to you know in the last couple of months we've been really writing some better stuff i think we're getting some momentum now people just all watched the patriots game and now they're they're dozing in and out and half watching our show. it is a
2: sad reality but i don't think you're giving yourself enough credit because now that you can watch last week's snl before the new ones sometimes they'll do a rerun that's on true yeah prime
4: time right i don't know, i can't oh really me.
2: yeah i don't know if they squeeze it down to an hour or
4: not it is i think 10 to 11 or something yeah. they'll do uh the week before mm-hmm. yeah they just started doing that
2: and it's like okay you know it's it's one of those weird things where uh you know certain like certain shows will rate the same as a rerun even if they're new but it's cheaper right to to create something new and do that then like i don't know it's just like some weird networky type stuff
4: i heard a weird one that could be 100 percent false but i'll go ahead and say it Please. um <laughs> that um uh, key and peel which is the great sketch show on comedy central has like almost no viewers and then the most internet hits of any sketch thing or something that that's all like the half hour block that comedy central has for it is like going through the motions that everyone who watches that watches that which i think is becoming more true of everything definitely snl but i think that's a really extreme one where they're all if you're you know well i don't want to get into that angle of it it's mm-hmm. gonna say you don't want to advertise drinking. game but well, hopefully they have lots of people who want to advertise oh, that's
2: that's kind of the game is trying to figure out that paradigm of advertising because that that realm is going away what's interesting about snl to me is how many rehearsal sketches are now getting put up yeah that's that's an interesting angle for me because you for years you never even knew that that there's more
4: right you know (laughs) i love that yeah that's been really cool that there's certain ones that you're like oh man it got cut everybody liked it it really could have almost gone and you can't do it with any other person is so perfectly charles barkley or something you know that you're like now well that that idea is gone forever then and uh so it's cool that they they get to live on And I bet on Sunday when people watch, they barely, if you're just looking at the top clips, you don't know, even sometimes you might be watching a dress rehearsal one. I bet they all kind of just feel like online clips.
2: I'm one of those people that, you know, stay until the end of the show. Like, I love those last two sketches. Yeah. Because it always feels like, ah, let's see what the fuck happens. Yeah. You know, and I've always dug that to see what comes back. And sometimes it's really trippy fucking ballsy shit.
4: I, I, I live in that zone. (laughs) <laughs> the, we call them the five to ones I just read a good article about Jack Handy in the New York Times he's got a new book that I'm excited about and he was talking about all, all of his ideas being they didn't call them five to ones but that same slot they call it something different Um, but uh, unfrozen caveman lawyer and um, Toontz's the cat and everything I think some of these ended up probably as they reoccurred and stuff like earlier in the show I kind of remember them as But you can tell by the ideas themselves that they're the the end-of-the-show ideas. How much
2: of where you write is improv-based?
4: Well, when I write with another improviser, a lot of it will be. Um, Like, I wrote a lot near the end of the season with um, Cecily Strong. And all season with uh, a lot with Tim Robinson. And whenever I write with Vanessa... Those are all three people that I know from Chicago comedy. Well, I didn't know Cecily actually. But I met her out here, but she's coming from that same background. And so, once you have the idea, and you do this with all all the writers and cast, but especially with people who I have literally improvised a lot of on stage scenes with, you can't help but just making each other laugh. And you're just playing. You play the characters for an hour, and they're just with a word document open, saying writing down every line that is making you laugh and then the hard and less fun part is at like 8am being like oh man I just got like a 20 page word document of sentences (laughs) and now I have to start being like right, so what's the beginning how's this set up and structuring it.
2: It's got to take a lot out of you I know we've asked Vanessa this and and 80 and other people Fred when they were here like that that just that Tuesday man like how do you it seems just do you work out, a lot of yoga, a lot of coffee, speed? Like, how does it...
4: I do a lot of tea. My first season, I did a lot of Mountain Dew. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> just the most trashy way to stay awake. It's like 220 ounces of Mountain Dew. You just feel like your mouth is a garbage hole. But uh, <laughs> now I do uh, a lot of black tea. And, and yeah, it, the annoying thing is you get to where you are uh, going to crash after staying up all night, Wednesday at ten a m and you've drank so much then you can't sleep, and sometimes the two or three hour nap I would normally get that, then I just am laying there, so you're just so messed up and then Wednesday <laughs> night isn't he, I'm not even really tired, and then thursday day i I could barely keep my eyes open, it throws your Thursday your schedule off but fun, yeah, yeah,
3: we do met... you feel like oh, sorry. No, no, keep... do you feel like some of your funnier moments come out of those? Moments of maybe delirium where you're sleep-deprived and maybe things are just
4: connecting in a way they wouldn't if you... I think um, I always am trying to put my finger on it. It's a fun place to experiment with comedy theories like that. And I think it does from like 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. I think I'm more loose and um, funny than I am earlier in the evening or, or that afternoon. But then after that, I don't think it's productive anymore. (laughs) And I do stay after that. After that, it's often just that you're like, I just have to organize these things still. I think we literally have insane typos. There's a friend of mine who used to write for the show, always had uh, insane typos in in his scripts. And I would sit next to him on Wednesdays when the cast is all reading what you wrote the night before. And he'd be skimming ahead and you'd hear him go, oh, no and he'd see that some crazy thing was coming up it'd be something like one time it was clear that the whole main guy uh was jason at some point and he had decided to make it instead be fred say and so he had gone by hand instead of doing like a fine replace all yeah and so he left one jason on like page six so it's like fred talks Vanessa talks, Fred talks, Vanessa talks, Fred talks, Vanessa talks. Jason says something that's kind of in the voice of the Fred character. But everyone kind of trusted that this was like some smart, funny thing was going on. You could just see everyone looking around like, I think this is funny that Jason just ducked in and said a (laughs) sentence in the middle of the sketch. (laughs) It's interesting
2: that that whole prospect of writing, like, just like, burning through it like this marathon thing there was this um uh mel brooks did an interview mark maron i think so i think it was wtf not sure me it was the hbo show i don't know but how when they did show of shows he said they were home every night by six have dinner with their families and they did it like you know an hour live show every week yeah and they he said it was he said the reason it ended up people working so crazy is they showed that oh yeah we'll do that We'll do it. If you if that's what you want, we'll do that.
4: Absolutely. You know? I mean, the whole job is a series of, uh, yeah, I'll do that. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the fact that you get plucked out of little improv theaters in Chicago and L.A. and stuff, and then you're working for television. You, we're just so putty in, in uh, Mr. Michael's hands. We're all so appreciative and excited to be there. That It's like, also, there's this other thing where you know, the third Tuesday of every month, you don't wear pants, and we're like, that sounds fine, yes, I'll d- <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Feels a little weird, but... Sure, whatever um, you need. Uh, so, yeah, but that um, that is how, you know, like Colbert and a lot of those are a little more 9 to 5, and I was always, like, kind of fascinated by that. I, I prefer a nighttime schedule, so I actually like SNLs. And um, if I'm really, like, feeling like I'm getting sick or... I'm not being productive. I'll go home and go to bed. You're never in trouble for having slept from 7 a.m. till noon instead of 10 a.m. till noon or something like that, you know. So you can make it.
2: They don't come around with vitamin B12 shots and just get you going,
4: (laughs) right? No, they're not. They're just watching on Wednesday that the product that you're putting out is is good. So So they don't care about you, whatever your method is. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
2: We met um, one time uh, on our way to. I think it. I don't know. We were at. trailer park and um Jonah and I were doing something and you came in with some other people and we were talking about i think we had just come from class at ucb yeah i
3: think it was like you were shelly and ben yeah and Paul maybe and we just had like something. a weird we had like a weird day like
2: we we we're we're weren't jiving too well with our individual classes at ucb and um no knock against them it was just you know a bad day yeah and it was all you know when you study there specifically for, for the you imp- improv fanatics who are listening right now uh, you know, very long-form-based, very all-herald. Right. And I'd taken a bunch of classes at the Pitt, People's Improv Theater, where you learn more than just the herald. You learn other things. And we are talking about how, you know, you get so frustrated, you know, finding the game, finding the game, finding the game. And you said, you said, you know, I, I studied in improv in Chicago, many different styles, many different places. We never heard anything about game. I heard talk about game five times in the cab on the way here. <laughs> And that really struck me. And I yeah. talked to some uh, like older Second City folks at the pit um, and UCB, older teachers who have just been around for a long time. And they went, yeah, this focus just shifted in the improv world to finding the game instead of learning all the forms. because There's a bunch. It's not just the Herald. There's a bunch of long forms. If that's right. what you're into, there's a bunch of short forms. And I wanted to get your take on someone who's studied a lot of it and done it. Like, how do you see that improv world evolving? Is it its own fun scene of people doing things? Or is it just, you think, a culling ground for, you know, writers for SNL or Colbert or, or all these great new sketch shows on um, Comedy Central?
4: Well, I think I think more than anything, the each theater kind of needs to define itself as what its new angle is when they almost all, like, derive from... Uh, like Del Close and some of those early teachers, but they can't just say, "Hey, we've got a new theater with a new name, and none of our profits are going directly to, if you know, Second City or uh, Improv Olympic, being two of the older training centers." They're like, "We've got a new training center with a, a new point of view. We're going to show you a different way of doing improv, and in the end, it all boils down to the same." sorts of things i don't think they're wrong to try to have their own take on it but it is like the annoyance says it's all about taking care of yourself because if you're fully taken care of your partner's gonna have an easy time on stage so you got they hammered into you to come out with like a lot going on physically and a whole you're developing a background story in your mind you're this very full big character and when it's not done well you're like fully ignoring the person across from you and then You know, it seems like, not having taken classes there, it seems like UCB, when they decide to make their own theater and training center in New York, we're like, we would define our angle on it more as, like, you find a game in the first two sentences. you got to really get that fast in its most extreme form. I've heard teachers yell, you know, if if the audience doesn't know exactly what is funny about the scene in 10 seconds, you're wasting their money, which I think most of their shows are, like, $5, so it's not a ton of money you're wasting, but... (laughs) But that um, causes I think, when that's not working, it causes a little bit of like not realistic people and scenarios and less interesting things because you come out and you say an opening sentence that no one would ever say in the real world. like it seems like every time I return a video in this video store, you get angry if it's a title that you think uh, is too romantic for a guy to have rented, and you lay out every aspect of the whole scene in your first line it's not really built or discovered together um but uh uh and then like io which is all supposed to be about listening to your partner and building it together as a team at its most boring is a lot of people like pouring coffee forever and no one is making that first bold move so all of them like overlap really um hardcore and have uh have great versions and great improvisers at all the theaters and some, you know, bad improv going on that's by that. And I think they're just trying to find their different angles. But whenever someone, I think it's only a, a comedy crime when you say that one is the right angle and the other is not. Hmm. And I, I don't believe that. I think people who say you have to find the hard game right away or you're wasting people's time would go to a TJ and Dave where it's an improv show It's very, like, an hour-long play without hard laughs every three lines. And say that's one of the best improv shows I've ever seen. And you know TJ and Dave would go to a really good Ass Cat where everything is these hard, fast games, and say that's a really great show. So when it's done well, you know it's it's all all of it is really works and is awesome to watch and perform. And but people do get weird chips on their shoulders about this. It always feels like the is it the Hatfield and the McCoys or something in in Huck Finn that like you're like I can't believe these two little sections of this tiny. Side subculture thing are fighting with each other, you know?
2: Oh yeah, over like a pin. I have a friend whose grandmother was a Hatfield.
4: He's oh really? Like,
2: he's like, yeah. It, the whole thing I think stemmed from like a pig, right? You know? Oh, kill it! And that like for decades they just yeah. slaughtered each other over something really stupid that was down to interpretation, which kind of means something was bothering someone to begin with, right? Which is kind of the weird... I don't know. It's it, it is it is weird that um. Like, all those worlds, and it gets so competitive. And then, you know, you've got the people that have been there for a while. And that seems to be where, you know, it's like anything else. You know, it's like, like that uh, that old tenured professor doesn't seem to give a
3: shit. Yeah, you say. can bring salsa because there's so many chips on
4: their shoulders, right?
3: Yeah, right, dude.
4: <laughs> that <laughs> is That is your catchphrase. Yeah. I've noticed the t-shirts in the lobby. Yep. Yeah. We can
2: clock that pun at forty-four minutes, <laughs> give or take a few subtle edits you didn't hear.
3: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it is yeah, it is an interesting world, uh, and it's like I took some classes there, and like some people were like, Are you "Sign up for the next class," like as soon as it ends. Like, and I was sort of like, "Yeah, that was fun." Like, I'm not trying to like make it like you know what I mean, but it's that is, it, that
2: is that was kind of the most liberating thing for me to get to a point and go, "That was cool. I'm good." Yeah, like I don't. It's. I wish it were my thing. I wish I was better at it, but the people that I did it with, who are awesome, like man, they're fun to watch. Yeah, you know, I had more fun. I said this one time. I had more fun watching them in the scene I was in with them than being in the scene. Yeah, and that's when I knew I'm not very good at this because I'm not helping them out at all. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, it's just I've I've had the experience of that experience a lot though, where you're just enjoying enjoying someone else on stage so much. It's really fun, but yeah, it's uh um. Oh, no, I almost lost it. Something you you were Uh, saying about... Oh, when I was teaching, I would often say... Like, someone one time broke down the numbers, and as you sign up for a level one improv class, your odds of uh, getting on SNL or um, writing for Colbert Report or whatever to use those um, are, like, astronomically bad. You know, they're just the number of people taken out of Chicago are one in this many, and this many students are signing up every day. So it's like one in a million or something terrible. And those numbers, I think, could feel very discouraging, but it was more, I would talk a little bit about, like, just make sure you're enjoying the class, you know? Or if you're doing it as a means to an end, you're probably going to, the numbers say you're going to end up unhappy. But what if you enjoyed the class really well, and then maybe that also happened, and that was a bonus On top of having fun because a lot of people didn't seem to really be just laughing at their classmates like you're saying and enjoying them and going out for dinner afterwards and and really soaking it up because they were always like sticking around after and being like, hey, any advice on uh, getting on SNL? I'm like, yeah, I don't know, like 10 years of like (laughs) banging around bad smelly theaters. So I guess you better like banging around bad smelly theaters.
2: But you did it. You were brought out once and didn't get it and then yeah. again so that's i remember saying to vanessa like you know by like the third callback when they fly you out that's got to be the most unnerving just the flight back of okay yeah you know so that i mean that's an experience for you like a testament to um you know i guess staying strong and actually enjoying what you're doing despite that dangled in front of you and then to get it you know that's, that's, I, I think that's amazing
4: it was it was i think a really healthy thing because i fully I wouldn't say had my heart broken, but had my hopes dashed. I really like in 2004 or whatever had a month right around now in the summer where I was going to my nine to five job every day, like watching the, uh, uh phone. I don't, I don't remember if I had a cellular phone at that time. Uh, but you know, really refreshing your email a lot, thinking I, my life might be about to change and then realizing it's not and having to get over that. And, Of course, assuming that like, well, now that they've gotten a full look at me, a really good look a writing packet, they saw me in Chicago, they flew me out. um, They dinner with me while I was in Chicago, all these things. I'm like, they're not, they know now. A no now is a knowledgeable no. And so I moved on um, mentally from that and was just like, well, what else would I like to do? Well, I'd like to spend some more time in Chicago trying to get better work on a one-man show, maybe go to LA with it and see what happens out there. And once the plan just became like, well, I should just enjoy the rest of my Chicago time, all of a sudden better things started happening. I got hired to Second City after that and everything. Once I'd fully been like, um, well, it's come and gone and that's okay. And let's let's move on in life. It took a couple months to feel that way. And then it's really funny that once you fully give up, I feel like it happens with relationships or something. Once you're fully like, I've moved past this, then that person wants you're more attractive to them or something
3: well i feel like that's something i've been working on just like in
4: general is just having not having expectations on stuff just
3: doing stuff and being like this let it this just be what it is yeah and i'm not going to be disappointed if i said you know what i mean i think that's like yeah. a hard lesson to learn
4: i've had to cut way back on twitter and instagram uh for this reason that i felt like i was starting to do it and count the number of responses I was getting and I was like well this shouldn't be a self-esteem machine this should be a fun hobby and way to like put up photos of me and my friends and then but if I can feel in my gut the difference between 25 likes and 20 likes then I feel like I've I've gotten oh I missed the point but I think that's what the majority of people are doing they're like I'm putting myself out there a little bit and really counting the number of people that like me and that's that's a depressing use of what are other kind of otherwise kind of fun mediums?
2: It's weird though. It's almost a justification of yourself because I know a few people who literally have like between they have a million followers, you know, and they do. They're awesome at what they do.
3: I'm know? sitting right here,
2: dude. You have nine hundred ninety-nine thousand, <laughs> and you're not there yet because I, know, I keep on following you I because know. I find you offensive. <laughs> But you know what I mean? It's like that. It's like what? What is that barometer of people going? Okay, I'll listen to you every once in a while, right? As opposed to creating something and put it out there. Now, mind you, these people do create stuff and do it out there, and this is just another avenue of what they do. But it's almost like, basically, I look at Twitter and Instagram and even Facebook is something else reminding me. Is something else suggesting I'm not doing enough for my career? You know, (laughs) right? (laughs) And. bugs me because i yeah. used to be able to just blame the world and now i just have to blame me i don't know that's just kind of how i feel about it as opposed to you know working and doing it, working on something
4: yeah although i bet the number because the feeling you always have is people are getting writing jobs all the time and everything from twitter and i bet the numbers are similar to level one students making it on tv like you get you can't have any end goals to it it should just be like this is the thing i do because You know, I get bored when I'm writing and I I want something else to check or look at or or write a silly comment on. But I do think people are really like, like anyone who's saying, please follow me and aggressively, like they'll try to get famous people. I know they'll hound them. Please follow me. You're like, what? Why? What would that mean (laughs) to you? It's not. They're not actually going to go hang out with you. You just want that sort of like that would mean something different. About how I feel about myself, to know that Sadik is follows me or something. I I don't even think he does Twitter, but you know that kind of thing is so. It's it's it really is sad to me, and I I feel myself doing it sometimes. So I'm, I'm trying to cut cut back. I uh,
3: my new use of Twitter is. Just to harass Time Warner Cable. Yeah. <laughs> TW Cable help. Uh, I posted one the other day because we talked about it on the last podcast. They raise their modem rental fees, uh-huh. which is like so crazy, whatever. And I tweeted something at them. I was like, at least in the board game version of Monopoly, you get to pick your own piece. Like, I always make Monopoly comments, and like, I'm feeling my roommates, like, they're just going to, like, they can see everything you're doing on the internet. <laughs> like, and all you do is harass them. <laughs> but I can't stop. But you keep paying them, so they don't give
2: a
4: shit. No, that's true. Yeah, yeah
2: you're that's still paying the bill.
4: You're right. But whatever. Yeah, I'm an asshole. Thanks. Yeah. They're, they're checking in on you, though. You know, they're they're like, let's log in. <laughs> Do you think how much can people look at everything we're doing? Like every bit of it, they can't get into our hard drive, right?
0: I, I don't. Who know. are they? Because I, some of them, I feel like can. all this NSA yeah. stuff. I yeah. think it's
3: it's horrible. But I also feel like when it came out, I was like, yeah. Like I was like Ugh, I I assume bothersome. that like it's and assume, you're okay with it or you no just I'm not I'm not okay it was, with it but I just assume that like if 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 people really wanted to know like I'm typing stuff in and it's going into this thing like someone's gonna be able to see it if they really want to yeah. I just felt I've always felt that so when that came definitely out definitely emails bummer.
4: and cell phone calls I've always kind of assumed that that might be going on anyway. I'm not defending it by the no, way, no, but yeah. I'm just
3: saying that like I'm so cynical, maybe inherently that I was like, yeah, okay, I but believe that's like this. we
2: shouldn't there shouldn't be that kind of cynicism, you know that's the thing that gets me is that we are supposed to be better of that better than that, right, like we make fun of so many other countries right for doing that right. Right? That's absolutely the main, that's the main issue, and that's what we do, and it's yep. like it's just but we don't torture people, oh yeah, we do, we don't detain people without their rights, Oh, yeah, we do, you know and it's uh, it's that's a, the
0: depressing
3: part we don't do drone strikes we don't do drone strikes no one gets hit you but know yeah what? there's. A, I mean that hypocrisy exists everywhere but yeah so it's a bummer but I feel like I don't know exactly what they can and can't do but I just assume government can see everything <laughs> and can. so can Time Warner Cable
2: mm-hmm. they can well, and they uh, think
3: my monopoly jokes are hilarious they're like <laughs> you know what
2: it's kind of a pain I, I'll never forget when I was in college I, um, uh, you know you have your back in those days pay for your the phone in your room yeah. you know and you have to write the check to the school, but it was kind of a different Wait, service. Wait, what do you mean you
3: pay for the phone in your room?
2: We had, you know, we had our dorm room, and, okay. and if you wanted to use the phone, you had to, like, pay them, like, a phone bill, like like a, like the phone company. But it wasn't the phone company. It was the school's phone company. and It was a separate check. And I remember uh, writing the check, and I forgot to sign it, but I would written in the, the notes section, like, ah, you pirates, I can't believe you're doing this. So... They called up my room and said, you need to come down and sign the check. And I walked in. It was all these old ladies going, maybe we should be wearing an eye patch <laughs> 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 or have a hook for our hand. And I was like,
4: mm-hmm. I don't like having to be face to face with the people. I was burning. This
2: is, this is awkward. You know, not really. They're just they're That's just their job, man. It's and that's, that was job. my
3: thing, too. I was like, I was like, I'm tweeting these like things at Time Warner. Like the guy doing the Time Warner cable help Twitter account is not like yeah. the guy that's like, I'm going to raise the fees to like, you know, like, yeah. So that's the other thing. Well, I it's worked like-
4: at Blockbuster for a year and a half and everybody when that was a thing, everybody agreed it was an evil big company that has bad practices. And they believe that the best person to talk to about it is the person making $6 an hour directly in front of you in a blue fucking golf shirt. (laughs) You're like, like, you think I don't hate this place? (laughs) I'm like, I get up to 39 hours and they're like, be careful, don't go over, we don't want to pay you time and a half. You know, go ahead, go home. Like, they're just like a gross, annoying, huge company. And, uh, and, uh, but they, yeah, everyone teed off like, I can't believe what you guys are fucking doing with these late fees. Just throwing stuff at you, you know, literally crumpled bills thrown in your at your chest and you're like, Yeah, I know. I decided to raise the national late fee by another fifty cents the other day. It's weird that I'm I work here standing in, on my feet all day and don't have a desk. Would you like some popcorn that I'm also forced to sell?
0: I just you reminded me though of something. When I was a kid I defaulted on a credit card, but they basically begged me to default. They, like, without any notice, raised the interest rate really high or something, just really sleazy, and I called, and whatever. it couldn't work it out. But I remember that every time I would send a check, I would write in the notes section, like, "Right, only cash this if you admit that you're a dirty bunch of fuckers. <laughs> and, like, I would try to think of something every time, you know, every month that I'd send a check, like, if you, if, you eat, if you kill and eat puppies, cash this check. And I would write it in the notes section. <laughs> They fucking cashed them all.
2: Yeah, they don't give a shit. <laughs> Nobody
0: cares. Somebody but, told me one time that if you write... Like, if you have a debt that you're paying off and you write, like, in the note section, like, payment in full. Yeah. That, like, that, that then you can... That that's, like, legal and you can go... You can claim later that you paid off your debt.
3: Ah, we'll do it. That seems kind
4: of made up to me. Yeah, it's one of those made <laughs> I up. Love, I love Try those. Try it. I do, too. <laughs> the other one I have heard recently that I really want to get to the bottom of is that it costs... <laughs> $500 to get a, a police escort in New York and so that you can that at some point I want to go to like uh, go from an SNL to the after party with a full four police motorcycles in front of and behind like a yellow cab and uh, it's surely $50,000 it's gotta be like you're like why wouldn't everybody do it but there's definitely a point where I was like well maybe it's just people don't know don't about know. it. They they assume and oh, after it's taken advantage of a few times it'll raise to fifty thousand but maybe it's just five hundred and most people are like oh, I don't need a police escort I, but maybe we all do maybe we should all be doing that like, like splurging on your anniversary or something it's five hundred is not cheap but it's way cheaper than I thought it'd be <laughs> yeah that, to stop traffic in New York City <laughs> for your date
2: yeah that's true that would be like where are we going to eat well we're going to Per Se oh that's great no. It's how we're going to yeah. be say. <laughs> yes. You did all this
4: for you. Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> you can also get, a, what, the helicopter to JFK, I heard was only like 150 bucks. It or used something. to be $110. Wow,
4: yeah, yeah,
3: I think it's not that much. It like for a helicopter ride, I would think that's how much it would be. Plus, you're getting yeah, a ride to can, the airport that's yeah, going to cost you 50 bucks on, in cab, uh, anyways. Yeah. And I heard you get to skip security or yeah. you do security there. You do so, it there, it's smaller. Because really? I, yeah, I, I so, just, yeah, you do security. They take you take
0: right your to like the. Wow. Yeah. Well,
3: I tried to do that I tried to do that
2: for our honeymoon and, and my wife was having none of it. She's like, I'm not getting on a fucking
3: helicopter Carmel. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, I'm not doing it. And I, I guess maybe a cool helicopter ride of. isn't the thing you want like the cheapest deal on. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, how's this thing work? It's amazing. Yeah. It moves fast and goes up. <laughs> and then we direct
2: it with yeah, the wind.
4: I've got a group on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They had uh helicopter rides was in the original video that we watched and were inspired by for the gathering of the juggalos uh videos that we imitated on on uh, snl and because one of the moments was like just rattling off things and they literally i think they said guys on stilts helicopter rides and something something and you're like whoa whoa go back (laughs) (laughs) helicopter rides do they've trained like what what is the equipment where did they get a helicopter right are who's flying it (laughs) And don't just stick that in between cotton candy and guys on stilts. That's a big... I want you guys to treat that with the weight it is. There's death involved in that one. <laughs> You're taking people off the
2: ground that they sort of can control themselves on right. into an area right. that they have none.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hang gliders, ultralights, Did penguins. You, have, you been, have you made it out to the gathering? I have, yeah. Really? A
4: couple of summers ago. What was it like? Uh, just super like peaceful and kind of loving um, no uh, <laughs> <laughs> the it was real intense it was fun but um, there's a real the juggalos um, the fans of Insane Clown Posse have like a real 50-50 split um, mentality that is also what the a lot of their lyrics are about too and 50% of it is about family and like accepting everyone for who they are and they chant family a lot at the live shows and and any interviews we kind of brought a camera and just talked to people and never really did much with it but they talk about it's so great to be back this is my family you know a lot of them you imagine might not have the best family situation at home and it's kind of like this wow kind of a cool thing and um, they're like feel the love in the air it's mad clown love family <laughs> family a lot of talk of that other 50% of their mentality is like violence and they're uh, rap style which is called Horrorcore and it's a lot of talking about and laying out long detailed violent situations where i mean I tie you up in the basement, cut off your ears and stuff and so they also will talk about that in their interviews <laughs> and they go back and forth and I'd say as the night goes on and more whippets and um, drugs are consumed, it goes more towards that. The interviews are more like man, if someone steps to me, you know I'm, I'm going to cut them out I got shot one time and that's all it's all about the violence that they like and then once in a while they'll be like but mad love to everybody too (laughs) (laughs) so it's it was it was fascinating ever they were all very nice to us we got physically threatened once and uh uh then i think after that we went and put on disguises you know of uh of dressing in the free clothes we'd been given of uh insane clown posse gear and That got rid of it because we were walking around in golf shirts and khakis, and literally no one else in the place had a collar involved. You know, most there's a it's mostly shirtless or a big basketball jersey that says, like, I killed your mom on it or something. Like, and then (laughs) golf shirts tucked into khakis. Everyone just like, Who are you? What are you guys doing? What is this?
2: Maybe if you had the golf shirts and khakis with the clown
4: makeup, right? Right. No one would have blinked. God, it is, it is lawless. It is. (laughs) fascinating it's like private property and there just is a real feeling that like anything goes but they with half the mentality being about family and love I think they, they don't have a lot of like injuries and stuff I think zero deaths ever which is insane there's deaths at like everything <laughs> <laughs> well who are you threatened by um someone a guy came up to us and it seemed like he had maybe been drinking and uh he said uh uh, you guys, uh, and he was a guy who had had the bullet wound. he showed us, he said the, uh, the, uh, insane clown posse guy, a little like symbol they use. Oh, of the a, hatchet man? The hatchet guy had stopped the bullet from his heart, a tattoo or whatever had, we had this whole interview. And then he came up to us later and he's like, you guys aren't juggalos, are you? And we were like, no, no, we've never said that. Um, I'm the guy who writes for SNL and writes those pieces. Like we were never, uh, being posers with the juggalos and uh he's like well i'd be careful because i think hatchets are gonna be going down soon and they they're they're obsessed with hatchets which are like the least effective form of weapon but uh then he took a bandana and covered like the lower you know everything but his eyes he tied it around his face like that and walked off staring at us which was also you know not to poke holes in all of his, but we'd seen his face a moment before. <laughs> it only works if you approach someone with the bandana in place. But uh, but it was definitely like uh, at 2 a.m., you know, in this pitch black, like bonfire setting of chaos and people running around screaming. Everyone's so messed up. It was uh, unsettling, for sure. We were like, I didn't like that. I don't really think he's going to his car to get hatchets, but... I wouldn't put it past him <laughs> so but we we made it out it was uh it was very fun and uh we went uh, with Vanessa to see ICP in Manhattan one time that was fun they you know cover the walls of a theater with black plastic and then mm. spray the crowd the whole time with Fago soda and I uh, got to meet the guys backstage I think that was all before the seven minutes in heaven so Good guys, Violent J is I I think a super super smart dude, and uh, they own
2: everything. They
4: own everything. They
2: make millions. Yeah,
4: they're a great like indie story for people who mm-hmm. are like don't want to conform or or are having trouble getting through with major record labels or whatever. They're they're a good story like entrepreneur type story, mm-hmm. um, and I think they just got voted worst rap band of all time by some magazine. I just <laughs> heard someone so they're so hated but that's part of their marketing they love that I think
2: so dream big kids mm-hmm. <laughs> so we look forward to your rap album coming out soon
4: absolutely yeah <laughs> next week it's I'm, the early reviews are really rough on it yeah he can't rap these are bad beats
3: <laughs> <laughs> these
4: are bad beats everything about this can't even really call this rap <laughs>
2: Well, here's the thing. I've been thinking a lot about his tattoos. And the boldness of the sync. I get that. I think that's fine. But how many times has Justin Timberlake been on the show that that just hasn't come up?
3: I don't know. You know what's funny is, like, I was just, uh... This is the VMAs, but... And I was watching it. And, uh, it's... When he, like... I, like, forgot that he was even in NSYNC in until, like, he, like, ran over this thing. And, like, he... I don't associate that dude with NSYNC at all because he's, he's, like... It's like you know right. what I mean? Yeah it's like uh He's
0: he's more iconic
3: than Yeah. NSYNC. Yeah, so much more iconic. Yeah. So it's hard for me it's to how even... I feel
2: about Robbie Williams from Take That. I don't even think about Take That when I think of Robbie <laughs> Is Williams Is
0: that how you
3: feel about Bobby Brown? <laughs> Completely.
2: It's mostly my prerogative in the way I think about all three of them. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> Boom uh, Yeah, but uh Yeah. That was a really long performance that he did. Justin Timberlake. Everyone's,
3: I, everything I've read is people were like, they wish InSync was longer, they're like, it's too short. Yeah, it was uh, uh,
2: one website, 118 seconds or 115.
3: Dude, can you imagine though, like how much work it must be for those other dudes? Like, I'm sure like they have not like kept up to that fitness level. Mm. And this was, with like 10 years or whatever gone by like that. Well, I, we're talking about Joey, right? I don't. I don't know. I'm just. They're all. The rest of them are just a nebulous mass of like, who cares to me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the autobiography of instinct. A nebulous mass
0: <laughs> of, of who, who cares,
2: cares, except Justin Timberlake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Think about him and like the people he was on the Mouseketeers with at the time, right? Him, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, and Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Like forgot about the last. That's one. the crew of that year. To think of of everyone else possibly in that cast. Yeah. The masketeers, like, what are you doing? Uh, this, <laughs> and by I mean this, I mean do do you want the large or the small? Like that's what <laughs> I'm doing. Thank you very much. I gotta get on that show. Masketeer. Yeah, Brad, weird. you can get your big break.
0: <laughs> it's really,
2: really fucking I could be current. someone. <laughs> We strive for currency here on Going Off Track. <laughs> and we also strive to get currency. So if you are on our website and you see the donate button, we got a, a wonderful donation from a gentleman in Portugal. Yo. Thank you, those who speak Portuguese. Box. That's amazing. Uh, I
3: also, oh, I'm sorry. Speaking of donations, I recently hung out with one of our amazing donors, Justin Pierre. Oh, yes. At a wedding for one of our former guests, Jenny Owen Youngs. <gasps> Fantastic. And I want to say congratulations to Jenny and Kristen on their wedding. Right on. And thank you, Justin, for your donation. Yes. Justin uh gave to our uh Kickstarter when we first did this what a guy. long time ago. He's a good he has a good a podcast. He does. Him and his wife, Lindsay, have a podcast where they ask people to talk about books. Yes. And it's really awesome. And Jenny's been on it. And uh you guys should check it out. And I feel bad I don't know what's going on. Me right neither. Now. But I talked to him and I think he's gonna be doing more. Uh, coming up so keep an eye on that subscribe and then see i was what shocked happens. that
2: it was books because that dude is such the cinephile
3: yeah but it's kind of cool i feel like i listen to a lot of movie podcasts but i yeah. not really literary ones so i think it's cool mm, i don't find myself very literary i don't or literate I don't, I don't, unless it has pictures
2: oh comics how i love you um, uh, check us out at Going Off Track on the Twitter. If you want to send us a lovely missive, do go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Track. And we never talk about current things happening, which usually means, Jonah, do you have anything on AV Club or that you're writing that's out now?
3: I, uh, I interviewed uh, Jake Bellows from Neva De Nova, who is someone I really love, who I wanted to do for this podcast, but just isn't going to be in New York uh, in the near future. But I interviewed him for Washed Up Emo. Right on. With Tom, and that should be out by the time this airs. So check out Washed Up Emo, there was Jake a, Bellows' interview. If, I love this dude. If there's
2: a person more deserving of their own serious satellite
3: radio channel than Tom Mullins, I have no idea. Who Man, that dude is... Him and Trevor Kelly, like, gotta be the most emo dudes ever. And uh, they could curate an entire channel that would be phenomenal. I agree. But there. yeah, so Jake, Washed Up Emo, I've probably written some stuff too. I don't He's know. an
2: emo fight between Trevor and Tom. Who's more emo? I
3: feel like... If I don't know, I feel like I mean that in a nice way. Yeah, that would be an interesting. I don't know who I would go with in that one. I mean, who knows
2: more mineral lyrics?
3: I don't know. I mean, I feel like (laughs) Trevor has more of like the West Coast thing because he grew up there, and Tom's more East Coast. I feel like they have a little bit separate areas of expertise, Mm. but there's a lot of overlap between those dudes, and they care about a lot of bands that even I don't care about. That's which is saying a lot.
2: Yeah, that's (laughs) saying huge amounts. All right, check us out next week here on your iTunes or web station. Bye. Yeah!
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer.